Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. <laughs> second captain, first captain, whatever. Come on in, join us for our All Ireland Football Final Preview. Oh, McDevitt already here. Kira Murphy's here too, and Ken Early. Yo, yo, Owen. Oh, I'm yo, sorry? Yo, that's how I'm starting this, uh, this show. I didn't realise Poochie from... <laughs> <laughs> it's the Irish Times Second Captain's Podcast. Well, you probably already know that. You know the name of the show if you're listening. So why don't we tell you something you don't know? Okay. Today, by employing three totally random parameters, we will be able to prove to you once and for all which is the better county, Donegal, or their opponents on Sunday, Kerry. Parameter number one, Ken. It's mm. going to be natural beauty of the landscape. Yeah. Number th- that's going to be tough. It's a tight you one. could have the top two there in the country. Number two, level of bias of their local commentators when the team wins. Again, I, I have some experience in this area. I think that's going to be a tight one. And number three, likelihood of their county winning the All Ireland on Sunday. Well, why? Why is that? Why should that be a parameter? Well, I did say they were subjective. No, I didn't. I said they were random. But they're also <laughs> subjective. I've just decided on them in the last couple of minutes, Ken. Well, how else are you going to decide what? Uh, how a county is to be viewed well, Gaelic put, football number one for me numbers one two and three it puts it Others. puts uh, Kerry at an advantage well that's what you think we're going to leave that we're going to leave number three Ken to our esteemed analyst Ushie McCombell and Anthony Moyles and even US Murph for the week that's in it we'll let him make a prediction it's been a while since we've asked him for a, a GA prediction it has the natural beauty of the landscape can be decided right now though there are two uh, lovely videos up on the Irish Times website at the moment Brian O'Brien is the man who shot them capturing Dar O'Shea and Brian McAniff wandering around their local lands you've had a look Ken mm. so you can take this one which is more picturesque Kerry or Donegal well look I'm going to say Donegal I'm Ooh. going to come right out and say Donegal even though in a way it's mainly seascapes that you see in the video rather than landscapes seascapes yeah. are part of, we're an island country we certainly are, and um, I mean, I mean, I'm not going to deny. I mean, I've been, I happen to have been to both Kerry. You're a worldly man, yeah. yeah you're welcome, man. So I have my own, both on the same trip, my own little ideas yeah. about them and what they're like. And I think maybe the landscape of Kerry is that little bit more varied. But Donegal, to me, I feel closer to God. When I, <laughs> At least closer not, to Iceland, not because God <laughs> lives in the North Pole or or anything like that, just because. Um, 
you know that those those big skies, big seas, big hills, big wind. That's what I remember about Diddy Girl. Big country. Guidor. That's like you know, yeah. I went there I went there when I was a child. Karen left me with a lasting impression. I could never until I went to Guidor make any sense of the illustrations that were in the Irish um language and indeed Anne and Barry books in school. I mean, I, I would look at these things and I would think, this doesn't look like anything like where I live. I the mean, I, co- I come from an estate in <laughs> South, or some would say West Dublin. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, this, this detached cottage by a stream, grass running down into the, directly into the stream, or the sea coming, the grass going straight down to the sea. Yeah. I was like, that, you know, that this is totally look. unrealistic. Until I went to Donegal. This doesn't look like Dolly Mount's Strand at all. No. Yeah, well, see, Ken, you know, you're a contrarian. You know, and some a part of me would say that I too am a contrarian, yeah. and f- for this reason, I went to Kerry on my my on my holidays with my parents in like 1994 or something, and I remember thinking, yeah, Kerry, it's nice, you know. And then I've been to loads of different counties since really returning to Kerry yeah. this year, and I was like, yeah, this is nice from Kerry. You know, you wouldn't believe the counties I've said were nice from Kerry. I mean, I, I I I I'm on the record saying that Antrim is nice from Kerry. Yeah. You know what was I thinking? I went back this year. It's like, it's ridiculous. It's the most beautiful place I've ever been in my life. I went to life. Killarney when I was very young. Yeah. I, the only thing I really remember about it from the time is, I could be mixing up my young holidays here, but there was a movie on, presumably in the B&B we were staying in or something. Yeah. The Never Ending Story. Do you remember that movie? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it really confused me as a child because I thought... Is this just on a loop? Yeah. <laughs> That's, I mean, that's of course that that, is, I took a very literal uh, yeah. view of the this, this is all I remember about my first trip to Killarney <laughs> the never ending story you were always an observant child not a very bright child <laughs> but an observant child <laughs> neither myself or yourself get to make a call now Ken is okay, locked Donegal down there fair enough Donegal one, one from three I want to, to lodge my complaint to decide, you can decide on the bias of local commentators let's hear how they okay. call the brilliant semi-final wins on Radio Kerry and Highland Radio a big schmazzle just in front of the Kerry goal. Bit of a dust up, folks, in the left corner back position. The physio's involved out there now, is she from Mayo? Look. He is, yeah. Stewart's now, is she? Yes, are pulling so off a spectator. A, a spectator after coming in. A spectator and oh, that's crazy Stewart. Stuff, that's crazy stuff, yeah. You don't want to see that like And I tell you, he's taken five. One, two, three, four. Stewart's to hold him and he's bring him back. He's a man, isn't he? Colin McFadden, Colin McFadden's going to Ryan McKee, the ball's on the net, the ball's on the net, Ryan McKee. The kick out again in an absorbing semi-final, Anthony oh, Maher no. brings it down from the cloud. They have passed it over to Colin McFadden, this is the goal for Donegal, yes, yes. Colin McFadden. Tight angle, Paul Ganey with the kick, and Paul Ganey with the point. We're watching to see what McQuillan's going to do. an absolutely amazing result by Kerry what wonderful football by the kingdom up Kerry up the kingdom up him and Fismaris up to Dublin for the All-Ireland <laughs> <laughs> brilliant stuff from Gary O'Sullivan and Weishy Fogarty and Radio Kerry this one's done already ah, here, and don't even, don't even Ushie talk and to Kelly me. and Martin McHugh on Highland Radio Listen, there I respect Ushie and Kelly I've got a lot of respect for that man's work 
But that last three <laughs> seconds we just heard from Wishy Fogarty there, that's that's top class. I mean, he just doesn't get any better than that, does Do you it? want a few more seconds just to confirm that yeah, Radio Perry are just that tiny bit more biased than... Holy Forage's gelatin line! This is Paul Ganey! Another point will see us to Coke Park! Oh, Paul oh, Ganey, why did you hang on to oh, it? Why did pass. you give it to Jonathan Lyon? Oh, that pass was never on in a million not years. Less bias, more tactical advice. Yeah, yeah. So just, just slightly more talking their right way, now. talking their way through the entire okay, game for well, the benefit of the players. We're at one all out of the the three categories. We'll get to the end. I'm sure people are waiting with bated breath, so we'll get to the predictions later on. Which team is more likely to win the All Ireland? But before that, though, US Murph is going to talk to us about the little guy. Mm. That's a capital L for little and a capital G for guy. I'm talking about the concept can of the little guy in sport, mm. as told through the little guy, small L, small G, Darren Sproles who plays for the Philadelphia Eagles and has been ripping it up in the first couple of games of the season against much, much bigger men. How little is this guy? 5'6", Ken. In his stockinged feet. And how, what weight is he? About 190 pounds. Yeah. That's a big man. Well, it's a big, short man. Well, 190 pounds is a, is a big okay, enough we'll, man. We'll, 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 yeah, just for you, Ken, we'll say the short guy. 5'6 yeah. is pretty short for NFL standards, even for a running back. Yeah, I would say... A lot of those guys are... 340 monsters pounds. You know, that, that would be the weight of uh, some of these defensive line, linemen. So, you know, I mean, 190 pounds is big, but in that atmosphere or in that environment, perhaps not as big as it would be, say, this studio. Speaking of big men, let's get Anthony Moyles and Ocean McConville into the chat. Guys, thanks very much for popping in. No You're excited about Sunday? Pumped. Great, because we were talking to you last Sunday on the Ortiz show, Oshin. You I was not pumped. You were a little bit downbeat, but you actually, I can sense it off you now. No, I, like, I, like to, I like to ease myself into all Ireland finals. Uh, as the week <laughs> progresses, I get more excited. The, as you can hear in my voice. The GAA uh, were saying this week that there's huge interest even in terms of tickets and all the rest, as there always is, but they were comparing it to 2012, which was the craziest year in, in recent times. It's, in, it's funny, because one of the teams playing has won 36 All-Irelands. The other team won one a couple of years ago. Mm. So on the just in the bare bones it would look like the kind of match that maybe wouldn't drum up that kind of interest but there's probably a lot more to it than that Anthony Yeah I think the interest probably from Kerry is the fact that they I think if you ask any Kerry man they'd say they didn't expect to be in an All-Ireland final this year so I think that's where the massive interest will come you know will this Kerry team match up Um the Donegal interest will have always been there, um, you know, and they would have always going to bring a massive crowd. But I think a massive neutral support will go as well if they can get tickets because it's going to be just, you know, two different styles, two managers who think about the game a lot and how they're actually going to counteract each other. I think that's going to be the, the kind of fascinating aspect of this game. How much of it is down to the fact that it's Kerry as the opponents in the final for an Ulster team in particular? Oisín, uh, you have experience <coughs> of this. Yeah, it's a bit special, you know. Um, I was actually in Letterkenny last night, and the place is absolutely buzzing. But uh, Mickey Hart was at was at the function that I was at, and he was saying about sort of pitting yourself against different managers, but also like pitting yourself against a county and a tradition like Kerry have, and they won All Ireland against Kerry, and we won an All Ireland against Kerry. And to be honest, it was a little bit special because um, <clears throat> I suppose. You grow up watching them. You always get the opportunity to watch them growing up because they were always in semi-finals. And if, even if they were beaten in semi-finals, you still got the opportunity to watch them. We didn't really have that many heroes, I suppose, in Armagh at the time. We weren't really going that well. So you're picking heroes from elsewhere, from from the, you know, the great Mead team from, from and from the great Kerry teams. And uh, I think one of the things about, about Kerry is you always t- you always hear people talking about tradition, you know, the traditionalists and how they play the game and all that sort of thing. 
that has completely changed, but people still think about yeah. them in, no, in those sort of romantic notions. Uh, Why is that, do you think? <clears throat> I don't know. It's just it's just Kerry. People think that that's all people do in Kerry is sort of, you know, you grow up, you get a ball in your hand, you start playing football. If you're good, you progress on the county team. And, and it, it is, like, it's infectious when you go down there, you know, when you speak to people about football and you find out how knowledgeable every single individual is about football. Um, and be honest, when you go down there, you sort of—I I know I do—I feel a bit more appreciated or something. You know, you sort of—you uh, know—they they make a big thing of people who you know who have, who have played football at the highest level and uh, maybe won all Irons and different things like that. And they're just—they're inquisitive. They want to—they want to pick your brains. They want to learn. They want to—you know—much as they will scoff about the Ulster the Ulster thing and how the Ulster people have played football down through the years it's easy to scoff them back now because they're sort of copying a lot of what uh, has gone <laughs> well, on it is an interesting point and uh, Jim McGuinness was saying himself <clears> that when he spent time in, in Tralee IT I think it was he got an appreciation for the other side of Kerry football he said Seamus Moynihan used to join them for sessions from the other side of Kerry and he'd be up at the crack of dawn to get over there for a couple of hours before college and get these training sessions done and the point he was making it ties into what Ushin says there is that people have the idea of Kerry as the natural footballers but that even back then they put in a huge amount of work to make it look natural Oh yeah absolutely Like I mean there's this kind of I suppose kind of fascination with Kerry and the fact that you know they don't really they play it nice and clean and they're you know lovely footballers and all they want to do is just kind of kick scores and you know they don't want to get involved in any of the kind of other stuff that goes on or neither that it all comes very naturally like Kerry work as hard as any team you know you can see it in this team they're working savagely hard they've got themselves to a new level um, and the one thing I've always loved about Kerry is the fact that they do adapt they do adapt to like Fitzmaurice could have blindly kind of said no we're going to stick to traditional fit 15 on 15 and we're just going to stay that way but yet he's adapted to every kind of different tactic that has been put in front of him you know you take the Dublin situation last year he has adapted his own players to it he's asked his players to play different roles um, and you know they're not afraid to trade in a little bit of the dark arts as well like I mean people have this myth you know it's kind of this thing of oh no Kerry played nice and clean like Kerry will, will will pick out certain players there's no doubt about it you go down over the years you know you think back to some of the All-Ireland finals the, the Nicholas Murphy situation different things going on even the semi-final there's a lot of Mayo people would say Aidan O'Shea was targeted um, Kerry will Kerry will bring that as well this Sunday yeah Joe Brawley brought that up in the Sunday game last week talked about them systematically fouling but immediately people were making the point that well that's Brody sticking up for the the Ulster County and trying to sow some seeds it out. Yeah and I think the other side of that is that they're no real different to any other team that's going about their business at the minute mm-hmm. um, probably apart from apart from Dublin who haven't needed to you know to, to, to I suppose to to dabble in those sort of things yeah, in this past while but give Jim Gavin another go at it yeah. I can guarantee you that he would be a bit he more would. sinister yeah. or a bit more cynical about how he goes about things. I but just thought the, the reaction to um, to what Brawley said last Sunday night for Kerry was just absolutely perfect. You know, like it happened against Mayo last year. It was like a four-day yeah. media extravaganza. How dare he say that? Kerry people are like, yeah, well, he can say whatever the hell he likes. Really, yeah. You know, like <laughs> we got to an Iron final playing a certain way. We're going to play the exact same way in an Iron final regardless of what and like that's the inner confidence that they bring to an All Ireland final, and I think that's an interesting thing that um, you know they're up against Donegal 
you know, who have won two All Irelands in their history, they might be going in as underdogs, but at the same time, I don't think any Kerry person is afraid of what's going to happen on Sunday. I no. mean, they have uh, the, the idea of them going in as underdogs against Mayo. I mean, I was actually down in Kerry the week before the Mayo game, and like even taking into account the fact they could hear my West of Ireland accent and were maybe presuming I was from Mayo or something. They couldn't even, they, even then they couldn't hide the fact that this was hilarious to them. You know, <laughs> you know, that they were going to a game against Mayo as underdogs and now they're going in against Donegal mm. as underdogs. I mean, it, it doesn't compete for, compete for them at all. No, I remember, uh, like we played them in the semi-final in 09. It was funny, I was just looking back this week. I looked, checked back on the team. Like, I mean, the, the team that we played in 09, if you put that team against this team, you know, on paper, you'd say, wow, that was a, like, that was a pretty serious team in 09. But I remember we were going in with a lot of confidence in 09 um, but they just never seem to be even perturbed with this. Like, literally, they just kind of said, if you score, we'll score an extra few. Like, I mean, there was always... And, like, we... Again, it's probably another one, well, we wouldn't fear Kerry. Yeah. But, like, <laughs> Mead would have a pretty good tradition against Kerry over the years. Um, and we were confident of it. But there still is that... They do, they do have this little bit of error. Um, and it's not an arrogance thing. It's just this... It's just an inner confidence thing where they go... And, and it probably comes from tradition, of course. But it can't only come from the tradition, you know. And when you see a breakthrough team like this, that's when you really look and you go, well, actually, it's come from something else. Like, this team have, I think, an unbelievable faith and confidence in not only what the work that they've done, but also in Fitzmaurice and also the fact that they have kind of ball winners and, and, and game winners within that setup, um, more so than a lot of teams. I think... Uh that's the point. I think this is a team finding its own identity. Mm. Uh, there's name players who starting, other name players who starting at the weekend who haven't won all Ireland medals. Um, that's not how Kerry traditionally go into all Ireland finals. Um, and even the players you brought off the bench the last day, Packy Kenny, who hasn't seen a lot of challenge of football, people haven't heard that much about him. I watched him coming on early on against Tyrone in the league. Absolutely exceptional. But he was just a defend. He's just a you know a, a day in the wall cornerback. Yeah. He does the simple things. He never kicks the ball. He fists the ball. He 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 retains possession. That's exactly what he did against Mayo. Jonathan Lane come on the last day, kicked two scores. Did people see him coming off the bench? Probably not. He hasn't like he was a breakthrough player a couple of years ago. Hasn't seen a lot of action since. Um, so Fitzmaurice has has placed a lot of faith in the young lads coming through. He's given them a head and and. They've responded well. The one thing that Kerry need at the weekend, just talking about the game itself, is that they need massive performances again from Moore and Amar. And if they can get that, then they'll be well on the way to win the game. Darrow Shea says that there's merit to the argument that the two best teams aren't actually in the final, but if they aren't the best teams, they beat the best teams to get there. Would That's, you go with that? I would go with I didn't see this final coming at you know, you probably know that. It's double Mayo all the way for you, even from the start of the year. Yeah, I thought so. Um, and for Kerry to do what they've done, I think, you know, says a lot about them. Um, just a, a microcosm of what happened over the last uh, couple of weeks. O'Donoghue had a chance against Mayo towards the end of the game. He blasted it over the bar and still had the wherewithal to get in the end of uh, Donoghue's uh palm down or fist down or whatever he did and stick it in the back of the net and he had, when you look back on that chance he didn't have a lot to aim at but for somebody who, like him who doesn't seem to feel pressure who doesn't seem to bother when when you get when he misses if he misses a free kick or he misses a chance still took on the opportunity at the end of the game for me that's 
a player who you know is is leading from the front. And when you talk about leaders, you don't think immediately of somebody like James O'Donoghue, but just with what he does and his actions, I just thought you know that little. That little play or that little four-minute cameo showed what he's well, all that about. That is leadership, isn't it? Just stepping yeah. up as yeah, opposed exactly. to rather than yeah. all the rather shouting around. Beating the chest. <laughs> yeah, but they don't. They don't lack for leadership. Like you know, getting back to the Mayo game. I remember there was one or two incidents near the end of that that game, the replay game, where Mayo fellas had the opportunity to stick the ball over the bar and they shifted it on with a hand pass. And then you switched down the far end and even the likes of John, J, uh, the, the JB was coming on. Uh, young, um, was it, is it uh, Carey or Claire Carey came on and uh, he stuck a great score over the bar. They all wanted the ball. You know, so Kerry won't lack. They won't, they won't lack. They won't be intimidated <coughs> by the fact that the McGee's are in there and then there's a bit of kind of hitting going on. But the key to Kerry winning the game, I feel, um, is everyone's been talking about the Donaghy thing and whether Donaghy should start or whether Donaghy shouldn't start. Like Donaghy will start, I, I, you know, I'd be, I'd be flabbergasted if he didn't. And I think what Fitzmaurice will have to do is the key to beating Donegal is to create the space around that D. That's that's where you have to create the space because what they always try to do is they'll try to block that space up. So they don't mind you kicking long-range points as we saw with Dublin. They don't mind you kicking points way out on the right, way out on the left because obviously the idea is, is you know, the percentages will come mm-hmm. into the game. So what they want to do is they want to stop you getting those handy enough scores 30, 35 metres out or anything even closer. The thing with Donaghy is, and this is why he poses a certain different threat, if I was with Morris, I'd have him literally on the end line. Just he's, keep him there. He's actually excellent at that as well. Yeah. He, it, when it comes to keeping his discipline and staying literally on the goal line or on the end on line. On the end line, yeah. yeah. I marked him a good few times, and especially coming up to the Aussie rules thing, he was involved. And he, he's a player who likes to get a, He likes to actually feel you beside him. He likes to get a hit off you, you know. Um, and if, if, if you can manage to kind of get around him and actually play off him a little bit and attack the ball, you'll do well. But if you get involved in a kind of a, a physical battle with him that you're trying to hold him off as the ball comes in, there's only one winner there because he is unbelievably strong and a big man. So... You won't win that battle, but what he will do is he pulls you. If he pulls you right in onto the end line, he'll more than likely bring another Donegal defender with him. He'll have a Donahue inside him. But what does that create? It creates a good twenty meters or thirty meters in front of him that no other team had. Like Dublin didn't have it, you know, because Bernard Brogan and, and O'Gara would have been playing out a bit, maybe on the fourteen. So that does create a little bit of space and it's a little bit of space that if the ball is kicked quickly which Kerry do they're the best exponents of the kick pass if it's transferred quickly from back to front as they can do and get it in there early I think they can get a few, they can get scores so, so it's Donaghy as decoy effectively absolutely and, and that so the the space behind if you're standing on the 14 yard line and that's deep for a full forward mm. you know if you're standing on the 14 yard line you're doing your job and keeping the, the, the play spread but if you're standing on the goal line the, that dead space in the 14 yards between you and the goalkeeper that's actually in play is available yeah and yes. actually to keep Donegal yeah. honest you fire up one or two high balls mm. yeah. just to get you know you don't so you don't you don't and, and which Kerry will do and they did it against Mayo you know they popped little small ones in front of Donaghy sometimes or else they just launched it in so as a defender you know will I go in front will I go behind will I go side by side so it's just it probably won't happen but no I like yeah. it <laughs> <laughs> But it, it is funny though that we're, we have like two of the best tacticians maybe we've ever seen, and 
Yeah, thank so, you, <laughs> There are two more of them uh, managing the teams on, uh, on Sunday. And yet the, the he's big, brought his A game today. Yeah, he really has. All Ireland final day. Gag, gag, us, gag yeah. of the season. So. And, and yet the big question we're asking, like in the run up to how both of the teams set up, is how do they use their big man on the edge of the square? Because are you going? Donny is. If we presume that Donny's going to play, and it's certainly massively ballsy call to drop him if he if he isn't if he isn't starting and then there's the question of Michael Murphy and like what <coughs> what McGuinness is going to do with him and what Kerry are going to do with him because we've seen in 2012 he went in for 15 minutes effectively won the game from full forward in the yeah. first 15 minutes yeah and that's the only thing the only thing about Do- the Donaghy situation is that you would feel that if the McGee's double up on him that they probably have enough to keep Donaghy quiet enough on the other end of the uh, field, if Murphy spends any sort of time at full forward, I can't I can't pick a carry defender who's going to be able to look after Michael Murphy. Now, uh, O'Mahony has the strength to look after him, but Murphy has pace. He's agile for a big man. Um, you know, so I just think they're going to use him the way they have always used him. They're going to use him at full forward for five minutes. They're going to bring him out into the middle of the field. They're probably going to need him at the middle of the field because... I still think that uh, Donegal may be lacking a little bit in that department when it comes to McNeilis. Uh, they use Ty probably a little bit in there the last day. Um, obviously Gallagher. Um, so I, th- I think they may be lacking. Uh, you know, I like Maher, uh, Moore, and Buckley the way they play that three across the middle of the field. And the one thing to come back to Anthony's point about. Uh, about Kerry being the best exponents of kicking the ball in. That's one thing that the halfbacks and the back lane and the midfield do in general. So you're not going to see the charge of the late brigade, everybody going forward like Dublin did. They kick the ball, so they'll be able to keep their structure a little bit better, as they did very well against Mayo in that first 35 minutes. Now, it was a different story when, when uh, Mayo come running at them and they put on the power in the second half. But that's one thing that, that uh, Kerry will want to do. They want to keep it nice and tight. As tight as Donegal want to keep it in the first probably half hour or so. Is there any chance Donegal could come into this overconfident? I know they're really well well oiled and they're also well looked after mentally by Jim McGuinness, but they're a bunch of men, a bunch of lads who've just put Dublin on their hearse <coughs> in a really spectacular way and they're coming to this match. I'm thinking back to me, sorry about this, Anthony, back in 2001, a team you were involved in. I, I don't know if there are parallels there and what happened between the semi-final and final for you guys, but just a natural inclination would be to think, well, you know... Not, We've beaten the... Yeah, not that we just have to turn up, but like we should win this game. Yeah, we've beaten the best. Like, going back to that time, I remember the the, the the biggest thing for us after that period, like, I mean, we had beaten Kerry, there was the whole ole, ole, every time all the, the lads got... Like, it was, it was actually... You could feel it, and we could actually feel it in the dressing room afterwards. Um, it wasn't even that you were you were kind of going around and celebrating the fact that you just hammered Kerry. You were kind of going around saying, how are we actually going to get... Yeah, and, and yeah, it was kind of it was more of a it was it was purely a psychological test, and I remember for the next two odd weeks, all we did was talk up Galway, just like I mean every single time we were saying no, this Galway team, this Galway team, this Galway team, and we literally, and we kind of forgot about ourselves, which was which was actually, you know, sometimes you might say, well, that's the right thing to do, you know, you should, you know, let's let's simmer it down again, but we had beaten Kerry for a reason, probably should have been analysed a bit more. I think Donegal, McGuinness is a very, very intelligent fellow. Like, I mean, with guys around him, I'm sure he'll look at it and say, OK, 
the, a couple of Dublin chances. Dublin were pretty naive, and I and I think he will try to say, well, this is why we won the game. We won't get it the same again against Kerry because they won't get it. So I don't think overconfidence will necessarily be a, a, a factor in it. I think they're they're down to earth. They're they're very driven. They're very ruthless. Uh, as a bunch of players um, and I think he will focus on obviously the positives that Kerry will bring um, like 2001 was a, like 13 odd years ago it was just a different even mm. with video analysis and all that stuff it was just a different time you know um, but certainly the fascinating thing I think for me with this one is is you could get a massive game of chess here on Sunday much more so. Jim Gavin, I think, was he had an ideological view of we're going to play our way and we're going to play it right to the death. And that's it. Now, as Oshin says, if you were to ask him to go back, would he have brought two fellas back into that half-back line? Absolutely he would. But Fitzmaurice won't do that. And Jim McGuinness, we know, won't do it. But I think McGuinness, for the first time, is going to come up against a manager who's actually going to say to himself, how do I stop him? Mm-hmm. Whereas a lot of managers all through the year are going, well, how's he going to stop me? You know? <laughs> yeah. But this is the first time he's actually going to come up against a guy who's going to say, right. And I think it's, I think there, we have two teams as well, Oshin, that um, have had to think, managers and teams that have had to think their way through the year. You know, it's, neither of them have, ha- have kind of steamrolled their way to the final, which means that you've got two really hardened teams, two teams that have proven themselves, have kind of, I would say, never played better than they did in the semifinals as well. I mean, we're kind of talking about Donegal bringing huge confidence, but I mean, Kerry... I mean, yeah. you know, they played far and above probably the level that they thought they could play in their semi-final as well, which makes it all the more interesting. Do you just want to focus on the Donegal side of that, though? Because I think we talked about Kerry quite a bit, the mentality and the potential yeah. for I just, I was just, there, I was just thinking, I don't know whether it's one and the same thing, but I think to get to that level again that you were at against the Dubs, um, I know they come into the focus, and I know one thing people say is, "Ah, no, Jim McGuinness won't let that happen. He's into his psychology, and mm-hmm. you know he'll have them right, and they've been away at a training camp." You don't know. You've got thirty individuals in that change room. You don't know. You don't have a clue what's going through each individual's minds. You can talk about it, and actually, I don't know, Anthony, would agree with this, but. You say I'm talking about Galway and different things. I almost think the more you talk about, oh, we can't be overconfident going into this game. These are some team and all. Mm. Then it gets in your psyche. Well, why? Why is people keep reiterating the fact that we can't be overconfident? Like, you know, should we be overconfident? You know, it's, that's the <laughs> that's the way the sort of the yeah. football psyche yeah. works. I've been in that situation a couple of times, and you're thinking. Ah, oh, boys, let's not let's not talk the opposition up. Let's just go out and do what we're supposed By to do. By talking the opposition mm-hmm. up, you end up almost talking yourselves up because you're you're well, you, you can see yourself, through the game. You end up talking yourself down. Actually, you know, you end up actually saying, you're, like, "Actually, we're not good enough." Well, you end up questioning things that you don't really need to question. You know what I mean? You yeah. end up over. Yeah, carry are going to be good. Yeah, you know, that, the carry are going to be good. We're going to have to be good to beat yeah, them. And, and to pick yeah. up on to pick up on Morph's point. Uh, this is the first time that McGuinness will have come up against somebody who can rival him tactically. Vice versa, this is the first time Fitzmaurice will come up against somebody who can rival him tactically. So the we talk about stuff as well. Yeah, yeah. Mm, we yeah. talk about tactics and we talk about in-game management and all that. Uh, it's going to be top-notch at the weekend. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the All Ireland final, and it is going to be top-notch. So okay, Mayo and Dublin maybe are maybe slightly ahead of these two teams let's say, you know, better teams as such. But actually, when it comes down to what's uh, the substance that is going on behind all Mm. of this, then I think we have 
the most intriguing, um, most interesting, and we've got the two uh, best young managers in the game. It's the evolution, country yeah. mile. It's the it's the kind of pinnacle of the evolution of GA fo- of yeah. football over the last ten years. I think you know because, as you say, maybe not necessarily the best teams out there, but. Unbelievable! Like sideline now is, comes into it so much. More. What is Donegal's? We talked about maybe the Donaghy tactic there. What will Donegal's ace card be? Do I do we have a theory as to how they're going to approach this that might be a little different from the performance against Dublin? No, well, I think they'll play the Gallagher probably more traditionally, just in the middle of the field. I think they'll probably have to. I think you know he'll have to be in there challenging more for kickouts. You know, all the time. Uh, it's difficult to do that um, because what what. What uh, I imagine what Paul Dawkins going to do, he's not going to aim any kickouts towards Moore, and they're going to try and starve him in possession. They're going to try and frustrate him. Uh, on the other side of things, um, you know, obviously Kelly's going to try and hit Moore that little bit more, try and get him into the game, try and get Maher into space. I suppose the only thing about Moore at the weekend, and we see it with Murphy all the time, is that you know he sacrifices his own game. There's an opportunity there at the weekend, maybe for Moran, because Mars no, like, you know, he sort of he's been in the background of what Moran has done over the last couple of games, and probably rightly so. But I, I actually been quite impressed. Oh, yeah. The day we were, the day we went to uh, myself and Anthony were watching. Uh, them and Galway I thought you know Maher was far and away the best midfielder on mm-hmm. the Anthony field. any theory about Donegal <laughs> it's hard to know like I mean it, you can't base it on the last day you know so what I would do is I'd base it on the Armagh game uh, where they struggled for long periods of that game because Armagh set up you know in a certain way and said okay try and come through us but the period in that game where they really should have kind of pulled away from Armagh was when they kicked about six or seven wides after about 10-15 minutes of the second half and then they had to go back and rely on Murphy to really pull them out of jail you know people don't realise how close Armagh were to winning that game but over that period uh, they just ran and they ran hard from the half back line I can't really see it being any way different and they had McFadden doing the usual coming out on the loop I think that's the way it's going to have to be they'll have to go back to that traditional way we should do it which is running hard McGlynn coming hard Thompson coming hard trying to find those pockets of space Lacey popping up um, you know uh, I, don't, I can't see them trying anything majorly different offensively wise because they don't really need to the only thing that Fitzmaurice will know 14 of the Donegal starting team and mm. he's just he needs to find out if they're going to play McBrady or not yeah. and he won't find that out until they're marching around and he you not know even what? then might not even yeah. know where <laughs> 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 this tickets. is the point yeah we've talked we've talked team selection a little bit and as as we speak no teams have been named but even when they are we can take it that yeah. there may be a change yeah. 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 and, and I think as I said 14 and it's just a matter of whether whether he plays Ty whether he plays um, McBrady yeah. or you could throw a spanner in their works and play O'Connor. Well, I think maybe that's what he do. Or Mark McHugh. There's a Mark McHugh and the Gooch and yeah. Tommy Walsh <laughs> all play. Yeah. Kevin, <laughs> Kevin Cassidy comes back yeah. as well. All is forgiven. All right. Predictions before you go, Oshin. I thought we quit with this. We were going to do your predictions. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I actually... This I man I, loves a good I actually prediction. really think... And I'm... I'm this is me redeeming myself for once and for all. I've chosen, I've chosen the Monday, all Ireland final to do it. I'm going to go for Kerry to win the game. Oh, Kerry to win? Yeah. Anthony, I said, I said, I said, whatever McConnell goes for, I'm going to go for the opposite. <laughs> That's, yeah. And I actually yeah, was enough. going to go for Kerry myself. I do, I, uh, you can pick the draw. 
not going to have no. three hurling draws in a row. Add the football no. draw. We can't. No, I can't see a draw. Um, I'm going Kerry. Kerry to win. That's not the opposite That's of That's not Oshin. what Eamon Fitzmaurice wants to hear. No. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony Oshin, enjoy the game. Thank you. Cheers. Modern day coaching. What is it all about? Paralysis by analysis. Infiltrated by a load of spoofers and bluffers. Fellas with earpieces stuck in their ears. Psychologists, Clyde Woodward, statisticians, dietitians. And as Mick O'Connell alluded to, God save us. I tell you, Murph, we're talking about learning new things in the show and we've learned mm. that Oshin McConnell really enjoys his trips to Kerry even more than I enjoyed my first trip to Killarney many yeah. years ago. And you know why? Because there weren't people walking up to you in the street telling you how brilliant you were at football. It sounds like there were people, it seemed to me, telling him that. that that's well, that's why that, it wasn't happening to you. Oh, excuse me. Yeah. Excuse me. yeah. That's why you didn't enjoy it half so. as much as Oshin McConville did. I mean, I suppose you would kind of have a grow for a place where you'd walk down the street and people would just come up and pat you on the back and say... Oshin, you were, you were just really, really great. I did uh, one of these online quizzes. I had a rare couple of minutes of downtime. Oh, yeah, of course, Ken. And I filled out this quiz asking you which county in Ireland you should live in. Yeah. And the answer was Clare. Clare? Clare is my spiritual home among Irish counties. Mm. The rugged cliffs. The majestic ocean. <laughs> the mighty spumes of spray. The soft, sensuous drizzle. The flowers poking through the cracks of the karst landscapes. The dolmens. Yeah. I like it. Peter, Peter, they're not in the Iron Final this year, Ken. We're, I, I st- we're choosing Kerry and Donegal, and we'll get back to your dolmens. Just to say, we haven't forgotten our state today. <laughs> we're not going to get back to your dolmens. Uh, there's nothing more certain in this life. Which is the better county. The Kerry predictions have swayed it now. Donegal is barely clinging on, so we're, we're, we're worried for the future of Donegal. Dolmens, Ken? Such a mystery, aren't they, Owen? I mean, what are they? Who? Who created them? Well, people, the Clare people of the past. But why? Mm. It's too small to live in. It's too high to really work as a table. <laughs> and Unless they were giant men. Well, they could have been giants. How else would they have been able to lift that big... I mean, you look at it and it seems as though, all right, this is obviously a slab for killing something atop of. Mm. But you'd have to almost... Um, I mean, it'd take to, you quite to, a bit of lifting to get a cow up there. <laughs> yeah. Although, I mean, the, surely they had better things for you than to build a really high table and then throw a dead cow up there. I mean, how are they going to eat? Yeah. You know, with like their knives and forks. Probably didn't have knives and forks. Their blunt instruments held high above their shoulders. Yeah. I mean, that's not comfortable at all. No. I mean, that doesn't make If, it, if, it, if it's all out. about dolmens, why don't you just go live in Carl? Do they have good dolmens yeah, there? Yeah, yeah, big time. Well, in fairness, the one in Clare, well, the, I'm sure there's more than one in Clare, but the one in Clare that I saw is in just in a nice part of the world. Yeah. You know? I mean, I'd oh, take. Well, hold on, Carlo listeners, I, I can only apologise on behalf of Ken here because well, he doesn't Ken look prepared said, to apologise. He's moved away light. from the microphone, so he doesn't seem <laughs> to be prepared to apologise uh, himself here. Coming up in the Irish Times, Second Captain's Football Podcast. That's. Yeah. <laughs> they have asked for that, really. Well, you can laugh. You can walk up. I'm a little bit of an idealist. But having said that, I want to be like me. You don't know what you're talking about. What did you want? I'd like to stay alive for six days. I'd say it to your face, not say it to you now. I'm down to Anfield and we'll see them all. What you're doing down here, you shawnee man. I really hope Sean O'Brien has listened to this show, by the way, and has heard that Carlo slur by Ken. More vile anti Carlo bias in the football show, Ken? Uh, no, actually, not. Uh, we're gonna, we'll spare Carlo. Um, for, <laughs> the lash. We are. Um, we're staring into the soul of football, Owen and Kieran. We uh, 
we're not sure if what we're looking at, if should we be feeling qualms of conscience when we behold, for instance, Chelsea Football Club or Manchester City Football Club or Bayern Munich Football Club, FC Bayern, yeah. or any of these other uh, super teams, given the um, sometimes unsavoury ways in which these teams are funded? Is that even a relevant question to ask ourselves? Should we not just say, look, this is the game, you know, sport and politics don't mix, mm. or do they, in fact, uh, mix? <laughs> Do they in fact mix? We'll have that out for you <laughs> later on today. Time now for this man. Yes, we have to say it. Remember, this is just a football game. No matter who wins or loses. I am deeply sorry for my irresponsible and selfish behavior. We're being extremely truculent. Whatever truculent means, if that's good, I'm there. Strike three called, and the Giants have won the World Series in Detroit. Brian, you're keeping well as ever this week, I hope. All is well, Owen, all is well, despite the fact that the uh, the National Football League is a towering inferno right now. My Lord. Uh, I mean, honestly, by the time we're done with this conversation, I imagine uh, two or three new news stories will have broken. I would be loath to comment on anything about the NFL because it changes by the minute, and, it, and it's all bad, too. But uh, other than that, uh, September baseball, college football, and uh, good weather in the Bay Area in September. So all is well, and hope you, hope things are good with you guys, Yeah, too. things are great here. The the championship is coming to a boil at this stage, Brian. But I just want to uh, – I mean, last week we were talking about the Ray Rice story. I, I do actually want to talk about something a little bit lighter today because there are, there are matches going on. And uh, I don't know if we can take too many of these conversations, but we talked about Ray Rice, the Baltimore Ravens player, eventually banned indefinitely by the NFL for punching and knocking out his fiance now wife. Now, the latest story you made reference to, the latest in a, the weekly update in NFL domestic violence involves one of the biggest players in the league, Adrian Peterson from the Minnesota Vikings, who's being charged with child abuse at the moment. Uh, for hitting his son with it with a tree branch, I think it was Brian. This is going through the courts at the moment, and now he's getting an indefinite ban. Yeah, and and in fact, this actually what was interesting is it broke in the middle of the night, Tuesday night, Wednesday morning. Um, in an odd, I I I would I don't know. Somebody's going to have to trace the timeline on it, but. Um, what finally happened, guys, is that in addition to all the rhetoric that's gone on and, and uh, awareness of domestic violence and child abuse, and not, which I guess is the same thing, is that finally the, the real issue began to rattle the NFL, and that's money. And that is uh, the Radisson Hotel chain told the Vikings they wanted to suspend their sponsorship with them because every time the Vikings were holding a press conference, you know, they have these uh, walls behind the, the coaches and players now with the sponsor on there uh, behind them. I know you guys have that over there, I think, for the, the EPL and all that. And, uh, and so while these press conferences were being held to discuss these uh, revolting developments, Radisson's name was behind them the whole time. And Radisson said, we don't want this anymore. So, boom, now we're talking money. And then the big boys, the 800-pound gorilla, Anheuser-Busch, the maker of Budweiser and Bud Light, uh, disgustingly the most consumed beers in America. Although I will. Uh, I've been known to knock back a Bud or a Bud Light. I'm not a snob. But uh, <laughs> they sent a warning shot. Now, just a warning shot. They haven't suspended any of their money. But they sent a warning shot to the NFL that they were concerned about the uh, the image or the the image of what might be looking the other way uh, when when players beat their girlfriends, wives, or children. 
And so finally now, I think that has to have been what spurred it. And so now he, too, has been placed on indefinite leave. And uh, again, it changes by the hour. It changes by the day. It's all bad. There is games. There are games out there. It is undeniable, though, that it feels a little bit different this year. It's just a crazy time. The game that we wanted to focus on, the person in particular, our uplifting story, Brian, is a 31-year-old, five foot six. I think he stands, Darren Sproles. And it's not that this guy is a new player, a new kid on the block or anything like that, but I just caught her eye with an incredible performance at the weekend. And I think in any sport it's always nice to root for somebody who's probably about half the size of some of the, some of the guys he's coming up against. Tell us a little bit about Sproles. Darren Sproles, kind of one of a kind in some ways. Um, and it's funny, you know, you guys mentioned to me before we talked that you wanted to talk about diminutive running backs or stars in the NFL. And it's, it's actually kind of surprising how many there are. There, there have been a number of them through the years. Now, Darren Sproles is, is unique in the sense that he's, among the diminutive, about the most diminutive. Five foot six is really short by NFL standards, and, and I haven't seen a, a chart comparing him to the smallest running backs in the history of the NFL, but he is down there among them. The thing that's interesting about him is that he comes with, with, a, with a strength, though. Now, now any, through the years, you've had teams take chances on these little waifs, these little speedsters, these, these little guys, these guys who are kickoff return guys or punt return guys or, or wide receivers who try to stretch the field. Uh, a guy like Percy Harvin comes to mind in Seattle, and he's quite effective too. They tend to be extremely fast, naturally. They, they move their legs faster than the big guys. But Darren Sproles is, is, is pretty muscled up, is, is a strong guy, and I think that's what makes him extra special. Five foot six, 190 uh, American pounds. I, I can't do the stone translation for you there, but uh, that is, that's strong. And he's had an amazing career out of – he came out of Kansas State, and he was a fourth-round draft pick. Now, you know, it, you know it's, not, it's not an insult, but he certainly wasn't a first-rounder like Ricky Williams, uh, you know, those guys, uh, the Cadillac Williams from Auburn, those guys – so he, he but he, what he's done is he's just carved his career as the most elusive little guy out there and strong enough to not go down when he's hit so easily. And what's really interesting about him right now is after a great career with the San Diego Chargers and the New Orleans Saints is that he's now in the possession of the Philadelphia Eagles and the Eagles have a coach named Chip Kelly who is a bit of a revolutionary guy. He he went to the University of Oregon, uh, which has become an explosively popular and and productive college football team. Uh, uh, in the last 20 years, and he brought this. So basically, I, I use the word revolution. It might be too strong of a word, but a dramatically different pace of offense, and that is quick, 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 quick. They try to run as many plays as they can, and they try to be in better shape than you, and they try to uh, wear you down. And Darren Sproles could not have been a more perfect fit for that. So when the Eagles acquired him, even though he is up in age, usually you don't find running backs over the age of 30 doing anything effective. You pair him with the other guy, LaShawn McCoy, known by his um, curious nickname Shady, Shady McCoy. The two of them have formed a tag team that has been quite productive. And the Eagles have won both of their first two games to become one of the stories of the NFL by winning with big second-half comebacks. And that is a testament, most people are saying, to Chip Kelly's pace, fatigue, how he wears guys down, and that's where Sproles fits right in because when it's the third and fourth quarter and Chip Kelly and the Eagles are running play after play and here comes Darren Sproles off the sidelines with those legs and those quick steps, uh, he is a a confounding player for defenses to try to track down. So right now, two weeks in, 
Darren Sproles in Philly is a great fit and a great story. One of the articles that I read, Brian, made the point that in the he has had a very good career, but generally not as necessarily the starring running back or the starring offensive player. He's used in certain ways and he's a, a tricky kind of guy who can be useful, whereas Chip Kelly saw him and thought... In fact, I saw the quote was the first day we had him. It was how many different ways can we uh, how many different ways can we find ways to get him the football? Yeah, true story. And this is again a, a testament to Chip Kelly, uh, who you know. And again, I don't want to make this guy out to be Bill Walsh. He hasn't won any Super Bowls, and in fact, when they made the playoffs last year, they lost the first game they played to the New Orleans Saints at home. But if you want to look for a team that you know, every year there's a surprise team in the NFL, and and every year there's somebody that that you don't expect, and maybe it will be the Eagles this year. They've never won a Super Bowl before. But again, I have to emphasize that I think Sproles' success with the, with the Eagles is definitely in tandem, though, with Shady McCoy, mm. who I believe led the NFL in rushing last year. And you have to make sure that – because I think if Sproles was the only guy, uh, teams would find a way to focus on him. But when you have – it's almost like such a cliche. It's like to say he's overlooked because he's small – is almost like a cliche, but in some ways it does work that way, that defenses prepare for Shady McCoy, who's a much stronger, bigger bruising guy, and the change of pace that Darren Sproles brings in uh, confounds defenses and makes defenses unable to prepare for him. And so you pair that with Chip Kelly's mind, and, and, you, and if anybody's watching Eagles games, you know, watch where Sproles is. They could split him wide as a receiver. They could put him in the slot. They could put him as a tailback. They could, heck, they could use a... Uh, they could snap it directly to him and let him run the ball. So this is a, a marriage of, of a football mind of Chip Kelly and a football talent of Darren Sproles, along with Shady McCoy and along with um, uh, Nick Foles, their quarterback. That again, now it's funny, before we, before we anoint them Super Bowl champs, they were losing their first two games by double digits in the second half of each game. So they've, they've required sort of miraculous comebacks in each game. But the bottom line is they have done it, and it has been that, that fatigue that Chip Kelly brings and that elusiveness that Darren Sproles brings too. How are little guys like that generally viewed in the NFL? Because I'm thinking certainly in uh, – this isn't true of football Europe-wide, but in the UK and Ireland who share very, very similar philosophies – the little guy is sometimes mistrusted as recently as Ireland's first European qualifying game a couple of weeks ago. Wes Houlihan is a very small fella, very skillful, but he and has played a lot of the friendly matches. But as soon as it came to the first competitive game, he was left out of the team. And the point was made that, well, you know, when it comes to the crunch, coaches don't always trust the small fella to get it done. Is there any similar kind of a stigma in American sports and NFL in particular? It's a good point, and it's funny how that translates from from Europe to America. In that, in that, the, and it, I guess there's a reason why we invented the phrase Napoleon complex, right? Why short people do feel sometimes overlooked and underestimated. Because yes, I think there is a certain degree of there's a feeling of, you know, he's a nice player and he and he can take us where he needs to go. But man, when crunch time comes, I'm looking at uh, the list of the the leading rushers in the NFL, and Arian Foster of Houston, big, strong guy. There's a guy you can trust to give the ball in the fourth quarter. Uh, the great Marshawn Lynch in Seattle, beast mode. They get no bigger and stronger than him. And these are the guys that, that coaches feel comfortable handing the ball to. So it takes an out-of-the-box thinker like Chip Kelly to make little guys a featured part. Now, again, he has LaShawn McCoy, a Shady McCoy that he trusts too. So even there... There's a degree. You know, it's funny. The history of little guys in the NFL isn't – it's not all dark. There have been success stories. You know, Barry Sanders, the great – you know, arguably the greatest 
a runner since Jim Brown. I mean, Walter Payton, of course, is right there too. But Barry Sanders is five foot eight. He's like two inches taller than than Darren Sproles. Two hundred pounds. Now he was all. You know, you got to look at their legs, guys. I mean, I hate to get into kind of the whole studying a man's anatomy, but you got to look at legs and you got to look at rear end too. Uh, that's where a lot of that power comes from. And Barry Sanders was just, I mean, absolutely thick through the middle there. So that's where he got his strength, and he shed tackles like no other. But he was five foot eight. Um, you know, you had you have Darren Sproles, as we mentioned, uh, right here in San Francisco. Frank Gore has uh, crested the ten thousand yard mark for the Forty ers but he's not a tall man at all. I would say he's five nine, five ten too. But again, strength in the legs, you know. And and you have had other guys drafted and through the years. I think of uh, the New York Giants had a guy named Dave Meggett. The 49ers had a guy named Dexter Carter that they try to draft because they're so fast, but these, if they're wayfish, they don't last. They get knocked over. Uh, they're one push from a big, strong guy, and they're, and they're shoved down, and that's what causes coaches to be fearful of them. The 49ers just, just uh, cut a guy named LaMichael James, and if anybody over there follows American college football, they know he played for Chip Kelly at Oregon, and he was a fantastic college player because Chip Kelly used him in such creative ways, and he was so small and elusive, and college football players aren't as big and strong as pro football players. And so LaMichael James had a wonderful career as an Oregon Duck. The 49ers drafted him, and in addition to him having some attitude problems with Jim Harbaugh, he just could never really make it as an NFL running back. The 49ers just cut him, and he hasn't been picked up by anybody. So it's not just because you're small and elusive doesn't guarantee that you're going to be successful. I think you're going to need a little little junk in your trunk uh, to, to get my uh, to get my uh, what's his name? Come on, uh, come on. Who am I? My rapper from Seattle. Uh, oh. Baby got back. Uh, come on, uh, Sir Mix a Lot. Sir, Sir Mix a Lot. Yeah, yeah, I got him. Sorry, I Brian. I was, I was letting you down there, Brian. I wasn't. I wasn't taking you out. <laughs> I let at myself all. down there. I yeah. let myself down. But yeah, you know, baby got back. You got to have a little. You got to have a little chunk in your truck <laughs> to succeed. So uh, you know, it's kind of that's why coaches. That's what they look at. You know, that's why we've talked about the, the combine before and how kind of creepy it is that these guys strip down to their underwear in February in Indianapolis and and guys get out the calipers and the and they stand in front of these men with clipboards and they all take notes on their on their thighs and on their gluteus maximuses and we all talk about how creepy it is. Well, that's what they're looking for, guys. They don't want to see uh, a lack of, uh, of you know, mm-hmm. consistency there. They want to see some guy who's going to be able to bounce off a tackle. So it is interesting. We've got our own little guy, Brian. Ryan McHugh is from Donegal, and he's playing in the All-Ireland Final this weekend. You've got, you got to check this guy out. He is tiny, and GA players in general are getting quite a lot bigger than they used to be, which is a clunky segue, Brian, into asking you for a prediction. We haven't asked you one for a while. <laughs> Donegal are playing against Kerry in the All-Ireland Final this Sunday in the football. Who do you think? Oh, my goodness. That's a tough one because I had – well, first of all, you guys told me about the hurling, right? Is that What's that, Kilkenny and Tip? Is that right? Yeah, they go again next weekend, yeah. Okay, so I'll save my prediction on that. But, God, I'm so excited to make a prediction again. Well, now, you know, I do the typical American thing and talk about roots. Uh, On my grandmother Fitzgerald's side, there is Cary. They came from Cary, so I could do that whole card. But I have to say – I'm going to lean towards when I was over there in 92, we were out in the pubs, and we met a young lady from Donegal. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Yep. And they have a different accent, if I'm correct, than some of the other parts of the country, that, that right? That is uh, undeniable, I would say, yep. 
Some would say it's a, it's one of the most attractive accents, correct? Is that uh, right? Uh, yeah, you could definitely argue that, I would say, yep. Be- because this lovely lass, this brunette lass, she was comely. And uh, my friend, uh, I should probably shout him out, Declan Fry, who's a primary school teacher in, uh, somewhere in Roscommon. If I get the town wrong, that's not Roscommon. Uh, he's from Newbridge. But anyway, the point is, guys, yeah. is that his come on line to her was she was from Donegal. And he said, he said, your voice is so lovely. Let me run home and get a tape recorder so you can say the alphabet into it. And I'll play it as I go to sleep. All right. One of the great cheesy oh, no. come on lines of all time. Oh. It didn't work, but I'll never forget it. And it always reminded me that Donegal is a special place. So I'm going to take Donegal in the upset because of the little guy, Ryan McHugh, and because of the accent. Brian, How's that? I've heard some bizarre sporting predictions in my time, and uh, that tops a lot. We'll go with Donegal <laughs> to win, and we'll talk to you next week. All the best, guys. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. Second captain, first captain, whatever. Richie Sadler's here, Richie, how are you? How are you, lads? How are you, lads? Richie, how are you, lads? How are you doing this week? I'm marvellous. Look at the joy on my face. Look how happy I was. What the fuck happened? <laughs> no, really. You know, what happened? When John was young, everyone in the city knew about it, but no one had seen him. It is not war and death and famine. It's not that at all. It's the opposite of that. It's persuaded of the world outside of that. That's why sport's important. Brilliant stuff. Not only has Brian Murphy brought our attention to the single worst chat-up line ever spoken. Uh, Never heard of that. But he's also given Tony Gall a fighting chance here, Murph. Okay, so do we have... Is it the three of us? Do we have to decide? No, no, no. You get the final call there. We've established that Donegal is a prettier county. Okay. Kerry mm. has the more biased commentators. Yeah, okay. Which leads leaves him level with just one more criterion by which to judge which is the better county of the two competing in the All-Ireland final this year. That's predictions. That's the likelihood of them winning on Sunday. So yeah. far, it's two to one to Kerry. You get the final call here. Okay. I'm okay. going to say... I'm going to say on that Donegal are going to win the All Ireland football final. Donegal? Yeah. But that messes it I've up entirely. It. Now we're back level. Ken, you get the final call. I thought Donegal were winning 2 1 now. No, Kerry were. No. No, it was. was uh, we're overcomplicating matters somewhere here. <laughs> I thought it was Ken, 1 all. No, Ken, you've got. It was 1 all, and Kerry were winning 2 1 in predictions. Now it's 2 2 in predictions. The two oh. have gone for Donegal. The well, two go- football analysts have gone for Kerry. Well, I'm going to. Final go- call to Ken Early. I'm going to go no, this for. No, uh, you're telling us right now which is the better county. Carlo aren't in it, of course. Carrier Donegal. Well, I'm going to back, um, led by their uh, witch doctor, Jim McGuinness, Donegal, to prove themselves <laughs> the best county in Ireland on Sunday. Loads more build up to the All Ireland final in the Irish Times this Saturday, including the evolution of Donegal since 2006. And Kieran Donahue's force of personality is what we've been told is being written about here, Murph. I'm going to read between the lines a little bit here yeah. and say that that force of personality is better received by his teammates than by opponents. <laughs> I do believe that could be what Malachi Clerken will be getting at on Saturday. But I, I love the man. One. I love the man. I, yeah. I would hear a bad word said against him. Uh, that's it from us. Thanks very much for listening. Do check out secondcaptains.com. You can follow us on Twitter at secondcaptains and listen out for some of the other brilliant shows on irishtimes.com forward slash podcast. Thanks very much, Murph. Thank you, Owen. Thank you, Ken. Thank you, Karen. Thank Thanks, you, guys. Owen. Congratulations in advance to Donegal, the, the better county. And thanks for listening. 
a big schmozzle just in front of the Curry goal. Bit of a dust up, folks, in the left corner back position. The physio's involved out there now, is she from Mayo? Look, he is, yeah. Stewart's now, is she? Are pulling off a spectator. A spectator after coming in. A spectator and oh, three, four, Stewart. That's crazy stuff, yeah. You don't want to see that. And I tell you, it's taken five. One, two, three, four, Stewart's to hold him and bring him back. Colin McFadden, Colin McFadden's going to Ryan McKee, the ball's under the net, the ball's under the net, Ryan McKee! The kick out again in an absorbing semi-final, Anthony oh, Maher no. brings the down from the cloud. They have passed it over to Colin McFadden, this is the goal for Donegal, yes! yes! Colin McFadden! Tight angle, Paul Ganey with the kick, and Paul Ganey with the point! We're watching to see what McQuillan's going to do. An absolutely amazing result by Kerry. What wonderful football by the Kingdom. Up Kerry, up the Kingdom, up him and Fitzmaurice, up to Dublin for the All-Ireland. Some game. Which one is that? That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 